Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, after this long winter, my family needs a style pick-me-up for spring. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, spring's first big sale is on now. Pick up fresh styles for the family from just $5, 10 and $15. With tees and tanks from 5 bucks, kids' shorts from 10 bucks, and jeans from 15 bucks. Whoa, styles from just 5 bucks? That's right. Plus, get 50% off swimwear and buy online and pick up in-store for free today. Now that's a real pick-me-up. Get to Old Navy and OldNavy.com now for spring styles from 5 10 and 15 bucks. About 318 to 326 in-stores. Select styles only. Exclusive licensed and in-store clearance. Hey, it's Alan. Uh, just Alan. No Sarah or Alan will be today. I just thought since it was the end of the year, it would be good to like look back on some bits and pieces that were good in every episode. I know you don't listen to every episode personally because you might skip some that aren't about a thing that you know about or like, but there's, I think there's nice bits in every episode. So I want to share some of it with you today. This is part one. We're going to do part two next week. Uh, part one covers up till the end of June because that's halfway through the year and it seems like a good place to break up something in two parts. I am a producing and scheduling genius. You're welcome. So our first episode of the year was just me and Ellen. And we just had a little bit of a chat about The Simpsons. So you're going to hear something from that. Then next up, Tara Flynn, national legend and treasure and all around supportive, nice person and host of Tara and Oya on the Headstuff Podcast Network, uh, joined us to talk about ABBA. And we also had a guest host that day, Stacey Groudon, joined us. So that was a lot of fun. And Stacey also joined us to... Uh, talk to David Riley, um, stand-up comedian, uh, member of the Tri-Channel Collective, I guess you would call them, and the host of 40 Minute Feuds on the Headstuff Podcast Network, and he talked to us about wrestling. So you're going to hear a little bit from all of those. Um, you may also notice that Tara and Davey now have podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. They didn't before this ep- when they recorded these episodes. So can we take credit for that? Probably not, but we are definitely, um, I'm going to say kingmakers, we're kingmakers. Anyway, here are bits of those three episodes. Enjoy. Uh, and the other episode that one was when Marge nearly has an affair with Jacques, the bowling guy. Jacques Brunswick. Yeah. And Brunswick is a bowling ball brand. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I went to Leisureplex once after seeing that episode and I had I had the bowling ball in my hand mm. and I saw it and I was like, oh, <laughs> guys. And Simpsons is full of stuff like that where mm. you put things together. Yeah. Even now at this age where you're like, I did not know that at this at that point. That's also the episode where I learned about brunches. Yes. Not that episode quite, was really like, did you find practice. it morally hard to watch? Because um, you were like, Marge don't, but he's kind of, oh, Homer's <laughs> being a dickhead, so maybe. Yeah. I guess, that's that was probably the first episode where you're like, oh, this isn't necessarily for kids. Yeah, I was this is for everybody. like, oh. Yeah. Which they always, it was always their intention. Yeah, like so. the episode with Mindy was the same kind of thing for mm. me, you know, when you're like, oh no. Yeah. Or there's another early episode where uh, Homer becomes a manager of a country, Lurleen Lumpkin. Oh yeah. Again, and there's the, he becomes uh, Colonel Tom. Quandary. Yeah. They do that a lot actually. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes like that where mm. you're like, even the episode, there's always moral dilemmas like in the earlier episodes, like the mm. Chanel suit one with marriage where she's like, does she really care about what these people think of her? That's such a classic episode. It's amazing. Even in my mind, like I can see all of the different versions of the suit and like which one my favourite one is. And, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and her actual dress that she buys, the big blue one. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when she gave out to Lisa when Lisa was asking her a question and she yeah. was at the sewing machine? That kind of thing. Because that happens like mm. sometimes like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like asking your mom something and they obviously have all this stuff on your mind and then you're like, mom, mom, mom. And they're like, what? And then you're like, that's real to me. You're, you're reflecting my life back <laughs> at me. Because it gets quite raw, especially after all the divorces from people mm. who don't know. And I know because I was in the Abba fan club. So um, and in in the late seventies, that meant you got a big envelope oh, nice. four times a year. Yeah, every yeah. three months, got a big envelope <laughs> with stuff in it, <laughs> a badge, a signed photo, and I believed that they signed them themselves. Oh so yeah, of course, totally believed. Yeah. No photocopying. It was it was mm-hmm. signed by them. They had touched it, um, and little bulletins like how I learned that um, that. Um, the divorces were happening was through the fan club, you know, break, breaking, breaking news. Special edition. A little, yeah. yeah a little, some poor minion had to type it out and. You can see the tears on, on the bit tears of paper. Tears, yeah. a little bit of, you know, a little puddle of disaster. Um, yeah, and, and that was, that was just the best thing ever was being in that fan club and feeling like a direct link with them. You know, mm. kind of walking around by myself going, this is something people don't know about me, but I kind of know Abba. They write to me. They write to me. They write to me, and they tell me. Yeah, God, that's how that trick was done. Mm. I really like Darren Brown because he's like, "Ha, ah, I fooled you." He's not into like, "Oh, mysticism." He's like, yeah. "I fooled you." Mm. Like, oh, cool. At least you're being honest that you there's mm. some deceivery. Like, that's fine. But I do like finding out like wrestling. Like, is yeah. Even mm. last year, in the last two years, I've been with, uh, good friends with a, a, an Irish wrestler called Angel Cruz. And even just hanging out with him and just like, how's that done? Yeah. And him telling me, I'm like, class. And then watching <laughs> wrestling and seeing that's like just the most simplest thing in the world. Like, yeah. it's like, man, switching music, all those kicks to the head, they almost make such a good noise. Good. And he's like, oh yeah, it just, he, the person doing the move slaps their thigh <laughs> as they're doing it. So it's just like, like it's just like, just get a smack. Yeah. That's it. And you're like, oh my God, that's, <laughs> it's genius. So now watching it, Mm. Uh, I'm watching it's like not watching like the main action just be like alright what's this right hand about to do like it's kind yeah. of when you know someone's about to do a magic trick you're like I'm gonna fucking catch this prick out you know they're gonna yeah. are they're you just... going to be in trouble now for telling us that nah like are the <laughs> oh good podcasting good memories good times I totally listened to all of those bits that you just listened to just now I'm not recording all these in a row on my own in the Headstop Podcast uh, Network Studio on December 1st. So, next up, three more episodes for you, three more bits. First, Cara Moynihan joined us of the Double Love Podcast on the Heads Up Podcast Network. She joined us to talk about Gemini Holograms and it was a blast and I'm a big Gemini Holograms fan now, big Misfits fan. That was a good time. It was fun. So, a bit from that. Then, next, we had Laura Byrne joined us uh, who is a stand-up comedian, amazing stand-up comedian by her specials, which you should. Um, and she's also a member of the Tri Channel Collective because they're just very nice people and we like having them on the show. So she came to talk to us about Lois and Clark, the new adventure to Superman. And she, uh, you're going to hear her telling us about the very good bedtime stories that her father used to tell her about Superman. So that's good. And then, um, oh, then Auntie Donahue, you're going to hear. So she joined us to talk about Star Wars. And here we talk about possibly tracking down and killing Jar Jar Binks. So have a listen to those. And then I'll be back with another definitely scripted and well-planned link after that. Thank you. Goodbye. Enjoy. Ah, so Jem's love interest is called Rio. Yes. And then it says Rio and Riot. 
Yeah, which seems actually. They, again, they ran out of names. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Ryom, Ryos. <laughs> Just put a some consonants series. on it. Listen, yeah. Yeah. no yeah. one's going to notice. And the thing with Rio, like, he's such a dope because literally, he's shit. He's, he, he is, isn't he? He is, like, he's yeah. cheating. He's going out with, he's Jerrica's boyfriend and that's, from the setup, that's mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of starts going after Jem and, like, there's loads of scenes of him kissing her and stuff and it's like, he knows he's cheating on Jerrica, he just doesn't know he's cheating on her with her. With her? Yeah. With her, like, <laughs> a like, larger haired version. Yeah. yeah, and literally the only difference is a bit of, like, makeup yeah. and yeah. different hair. <laughs> and it's like, come on, Rio. Yeah. <laughs> really? But she actually, she actually never tells him in the entirety of the three seasons. I think it's like it she never, knows as it well. Never happens. Yeah, she oh, knows yeah. that like she's, she is, is playing with him. It's <laughs> Maybe such a weird she likes game. that. Maybe it's yeah. exciting Maybe. for her. Yeah, there's a hard pin to play. Where change of tune. Where a couple. I'm intrigued. I'm drawing a Venn diagram. Do this kind of role play thing where they like arrange before they leave for the day. Okay. Who they're going to come back as? All oh, right, and Ooh. that's their thing. And I reckon that's what Jerrica's into. <laughs> like role play, but as in, like I'm Jerrica and I'm a dental hygienist. And yeah. Rio is my farm labourer spouse. Yeah, but you're just like I'm Jem, and mm. she's uh, likes she likes withholding the information. Yeah. <laughs> Her kink is knowing stuff Rio doesn't. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Being, uh, like but, I can that's probably it they just couldn't address that in the it's a children's yeah. TV show maybe I'm yeah. glad if anyone got to use that Pinterest seminar didn't they? <laughs> yeah. even though none of that would be <laughs> so I know stuff Pinterest. about Pinterest yeah. <laughs> Pinterest is my favourite playwright as a child <laughs> so when I was a, a proper tot um, my dad used to tuck me in a night and then tell me stories but instead of well, like I had regular fairy tales like Hansel and Gretel and things like that. But uh, very often he'd just tell me stories about Superman. So they were my fairy tales. And like it, his own kind of like what he like his, he would decide what happened. Yeah. Like fanfic. It was, yeah. yeah, but oh it was it, they were so lovely because my dad is a real comic book nerd for Superman when he was uh, in his teens and stuff like that. He'd buy all the comics. But he'd be telling me about Superman and they were the most like typically Irish mundane things like like a, a typical story would be like uh, Superman and no Clark Kent and Lois Lane were sitting down on Friday evening after work <laughs> and away in the distance in another estate uh, a little boy uh, let go of his kite and I flew up into some electric wires and he said I'm going to get that back and he started climbing the electric pole and his mam came out and said oh good Jesus what's <laughs> the child doing now and Superman very good hearing you could hear this and he said Lois I'm just nipping out for a bag of chips and <laughs> Then it would get to like this climactic bit where just as the boy was about to touch the electrical yeah. wire, Superman would whisk him away and everyone would cheer and then he'd come back, you know, and be he wouldn't even be out of breath, not a sweat. <laughs> puts his glasses back on and he's like, I'm home. Lois <laughs> is going, Where are the chips? And he goes, Oh, uh, I, I ate them. I'll go out for some more. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> that type of thing. But he would make this up on the spot. And then you know, a week later, I'd be like, tell me the one about the boy and, and the telephone pole. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> The prequels came out when I was 14. And we went for it. It was a friend's birthday. And I think um, we all went and I made them go because I'm bossy and a bad person who doesn't care about what the <laughs> birthday girl wants. 
Like, we're going to see this. I don't know, like, what your problem is, Corey, but whatever. (laughs) And we ended up seeing The Phantom Menace. And I remember sitting there being, like, not old enough to understand how to articulate my disappointment, but Mm. feeling empty. It's like when you have a huge crush on somebody and you're so psyched to hang and you're like, it's going to be the best. Finally, like, we're going to one-on-one. What's going to happen? We're going to – it's going to be the best. And then they are, like, the emptiest person and you're like – I feel like I'm talking to a sim. That's how I felt. Oh, so yeah. you were like crushed, basically. Basically. Yeah. And then I remember being like, this fucking Jar Jar guy. Like, oh, no. What I is hate going on? Jar Jar. I yeah. would kill and him with everybody... my own hands. <laughs> Let's find him and kill him. On this podcast. Okay. Like, and, <laughs> and he's animated. I'm like, no, the actor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it gets so dark. I'm like, my other obsession was murder. Um, what else Same. about it? I... Ah, what fun. Podcasting. We all love it. Most of us do it. Everyone has a podcast. I have two. Because I hate myself, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm. You can tell why I have... Uh, why I only do podcasts with co-hosts. Because I need them desperately. I am very uncomfortable being here on my own in the studio talking to you. So... Three more episodes, three more bits, three more morsels on this sampler platter for 2018 Juvenalia. First up, Esther Mordunhu of the 80% Podcast, which is not on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So don't just say we have Headstuff Podcast Network hosts because we don't. Esther very kindly came in and talked to us about Sex in the City. And we talked about what a bad friend Carrie was. So that's what you're going to hear next. Then Kate McAvoy, who is a very excellent Twitter person that we like a lot, came in and talked to us about Matilda. And... That was Sarah's thesis, so uh, we had a lot to talk about. Very good episode, very popular episode. If you haven't listened to it, then you should. Then the final section in this bit is with Linda Kavanagh, who you know as a moon denier and a Twitter person, and who was a very important person in the abortion rights campaign. Uh, so Linda came into us about a month before the repeal the eight referendum. It was very good for all of us to just talk about ET for an hour instead of talking about Repeal the Eighth. Um, so that's what we did. And it was a lot of fun. And I'd never seen E.T. before, so that was good for me. I finally got to see E.T. So that's the next three things you're going to hear. So I hope you like him. He's just a bit of a... Doesn't he leave her at the altar? Is that what oh, he yeah, literally does her? Yeah, yeah. film. After all that bollock ache, she gets the dress, she does the whole big thing, he finally commits to her, and he has a woman's panic attack before he goes in, and then he changes his mind again. And he that's 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 a good... that's that That is really good scene that's in the film there's nothing like a TV show like that to make you feel like your life is actually grand do you know what I mean you're just Mm -hmm. like man there is it is is extremely high drama it's like dynasty drama you know Mm -hmm. when you break when you break the big arcs of Carrie's life down you're Mm -hmm. like she, mm. Do you think she slept a lot? Because oh, that is a lot of she bullshit. She cried over that bloody man, and he just even at the last minute, he's like, "I can't do it." And he, oh, I was just paying theirs. And then she go, they go to Mexico, and with the four girls on her her honeymoon because she's already booked the big fancy honeymoons whatever um, house in Mexico, and uh, she just lies in bed, which I think is real. I think if you've ever been heartbroken when you're just so in bits you can't get out of bed, and then there's one scene where she kind of eventually goes into the bathroom, looks at herself in the mirror, and she's got no makeup on. She's been crying for days, and she's just like. I'm like, oh, fair play to you, Sarah Jessica, because you don't look good there. But we've all we've you all been like there. Yeah. You look you look real, and yeah. And when when even when Car- when big freaks out before they get into go into the library to get married, and she bashes them over the head with her bu- bouquet of flowers, that's good as well. That rage, like all these years, you've just treated her like dog shit, and you're doing it again. Yeah. So she's Carrie. Carrie wins some points there for just being 
honest and connecting to those emotions. But most of the time she's a pain in the tush and he's a pain in the tush and maybe they deserve each other. Or the, the gluttony. Like my, yeah. my thesis on doll was um, called Skinny Orphans and Chubby Spoilt Brats. Oh my God, thank God. And this was literally uh, like on my notes. Preach, Sarah. It was about starvation and it was about Charlie Bucket and like the purity of yeah. the thin body and how yeah, the bad Matilda people are, and are gluttonous yeah. and the good people are skinny. Yeah, so and also was, like the ugly thing, like, you know, that good, if like good oh, thoughts will shine out of your faces and like the twits are bad people, twits. so they're ugly. Yeah. Like, and there is, oh. the, and that was the interesting thing, I think, if you look at her pals, is you had like Lavender, who's talking you had Bruce who big boy and the iconic chocolate cake scene I think the film really framed that in a really positive way yeah. and then you have in the book she's in the film but she's mentioned a bit less Hortensia who had a boil on her nose yeah. and they were even the kids like look at her and that boil is like a badge of courage like it's one of his first books I think where it isn't just like you know you're pure and good and thin and white and whatever mm. and, and you're starving because you're so good you're so and look wholesome. at bad I remember as well and I, I have those being really afraid of the opening scene where they're chasing E.T. Yeah. Mm. And that's like, I think there's some really interesting thing looking at it now, how the adults are the baddies or they're stupid. Yeah. Like they're not heroic. It's all about the kids and the, the adults are, and like, there's also something about, I was, when I watched it again last night, I was like, in other movies, Peter Coyote would be the good guy. He's a science man yeah. who believes and hunts aliens like that's a film mm. in itself yeah. but in this he's the baddie kind of I mean he kind of comes going at the end or you kind of see where he's coming from but yeah. he for the most of the film he's the baddie like and um, and there's those really iconic terrifying scenes of them chasing E3 E.T. through the grass mm. and then also the one that really stands out for me is when they come in through the window when they're kind of oh god closing yeah. in mm. on the place like that is terrible like because that's a whole we got white dead E.T. in the river <laughs> and then straight into like <laughs> this terrifying surrounded like, yeah. yeah and so scary Stressful. like and all those science men are all scary and I think it's quite interesting because I don't like other films would not posit and um, position the adults in that way and yeah. I think that's great like I think it's really interesting mm. Alright here we go this is the final stretch of part one we are into the May-June area of 2018 um, so the first thing we did was we had our 50th episode um, which might seem weird since we've been going since 2016 but we only have an episode every two weeks so these kind of numbers tend to crawl along a bit so we were very excited to finally hit 50 um, and we had a very special guest we had I think our first yeah definitely our first our first and only Oscar winning guest uh, which was Annie Atkins who is just just an incredibly talented person and was super generous with her time and just knew so much about films and was very happy to share it all with us. So she came into The Workman's and talked to us about Big and Tom Hanks and all the wonderful things about Big and even more of the wonderful things about Tom Hanks. And we gave away some prizes, um, which some people didn't like. Some people left those prizes behind. But that's okay, because we just kept those prizes and gave them away at the next live show because... It's 2018, we're reusing, recycling. It's good. So that's the first thing you're going to hear. You're going to hear our live show, our 50th episode live show. Then we had kind of a hero of mine on the show, which was very, very exciting. So if you follow me on Twitter, and if you follow Sarah on Twitter, if you follow um, D McDonald on Twitter, who did the artwork for this show, 
you will know we were obsessed with a game called Night in the Woods. And one of the creators of Night in the Woods, um, Scott Benson, very kindly agreed to come on the show and talk to us. So he came on and talked to us about Indiana Jones and it was a very fun time. We, in this clip, you can hear us talking about um, fighting coyotes because that's where we went with this episode. So that was good. Hope you enjoy that if you haven't listened to the Indiana Jones episode yet. That was a, a huge delight. Then, next, uh, spoken word artist and um, comedian Sahara Lee joined us to talk about Fresh Prince Bel-Air. And Sahara was great. We love Sahara. It was a very fun time. Very good episode. We enjoy it. We hope you enjoy it too. A lot of you did. So, if you haven't listened to that one yet, that's a good one to listen to. And then, finally, for this part one of the 2018 Juvenalia Sampler Platter, the final appetizer the what's the last appetizer you have because i tend to just eat a load of cocktail sausages but these aren't just cocktail sausages people each one of these is a very special there's an onion bhaji one of these is an onion bhaji one of them is the best falafel you've ever had there is a sausage roll there is a cocktail sausage there is a sandwich but a good sandwich it has a good feeling you're like oh that's a good sandwich this particular appetizer and the last one of part one is when louise o'neill famous author louise o'neill of winner of many awards and accolades uh, joined us to talk about Ina Blyton's The Magic Faraway Tree series, which is something I'd never heard of. And then I read it and enjoyed it because it is an insane book by a crazy lady. And we had a really good chat about uh, YA publishing and how that's changed down the years. And it was a very good chat. And yeah, you, yeah, I think you liked it because uh, a lot of you listened to it. But if you haven't, here's a little bit of that. And yeah, see you soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the reason I chose this clip is because they say when you're writing a screenplay that if you can connect all your plot points with the word and, then you're not trying hard enough, okay? So for example, the man wakes up in the morning, he eats his breakfast and he goes outside and he meets his friend and they go somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, um, you know, if, you, if you're writing that for, for written fiction, for prose, it's okay because you can get inside the man's head and you can listen to all his fascinating thoughts. But for the screen, you have to visualize things and you have to take the thoughts out of the character and turn them into action. So you should really connect all your plot points by using the word but instead, which I think is what the film Big does. So for example, uh, Josh wants to go on the fairground ride, but he's too short. So he wishes to be big, but when he wakes up, he realizes that he's actually older, not just bigger. So he tries to explain to his mother what's happened, but she thinks he's an intruder and she threatens him with a carving knife. <laughs> so he flees to New York City, which is really scary, but he gets a great job as a toy maker um, in putting data into a computer. But he meets the company director at the toy shop and they bond over the giant piano and so on and so forth, okay? So I think like with this film, in, every, in almost every scene, there's a but. Right. It's like that he, he faces a new challenge at, at each point. And I think that really like captivates the audience. Like devoured by a coyote. I had this conversation with my wife once about so uh, about whether or not I would win a fight with a coyote. Um, <laughs> they're not huge. They're about the size of kind of like mid-sized dogs, at okay. least the ones I've seen. And here's my thinking. <laughs> so I thought about this for a while. A coyote jumps up, yeah, right, and like latches on to me somewhere. I think I could just fall forward and okay. like break its rib cage or something, like something 
And Bethany would say, listen, you're going to get gravely injured doing this. I'm like, yeah, but I he'd die first. He'd die, but then you'd die. Because <laughs> yeah, he had bitten well, your I, neck I, I or something. I get medical attention. There's no coyote ambulance coming. Um, <laughs> so if there was, that would be adorable. That would be um, the, like the paramedics are coyotes as well. Uh, yeah. But they're good ones. Uh, they're like, they, they're being domesticated. That's actually kind of grim. They should be wild animals. Forget but they have, like, they have like little World War II nurses hats on. Yeah, it's very cute and yeah. catchy. Hats and capes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're actually Coyote ambulance yeah. is my new <laughs> extremely hip band. Uh, Coyote ambulance playing at, what, what's, a, what's, a, what's a big music festival in, in Ireland? Oh, that's Electric a picnic. picnic. Yeah. Well, there you go. Co- that's, that's Coyote a, ambulance. Coyote, yeah, that's very there. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's me and one other person. We have since, <laughs> um, and and amazing outfits. Um, for for me, then it was just a funny show. Mm-hmm. I hadn't realized how important it was and how um, impactful it was, especially like in. I think it's actually had an effect on um, people who grew up on that time. But um, we had I hadn't realized then. So for me, it was just a source of entertainment. Looking at back at now, watching episodes now, it's a whole different experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you say impactful, how do you mean exactly? Um, I think it's it, like, for example, it was on like RT2, right? Mm-hmm. So it was on in the in the middle of, um, was it RT2? It was on like, during the middle of the day a lot of the time. Wasn't it? all those kind of shows. So it was yeah. all cartoons and it was a time when we'd be watching Cow and Chicken and everything and all and those other Beavers shows. And then, yeah. yeah. And then it was um, a lot of shows with just loads of white people. So it was it was interesting to have shows like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Sister Sister and Smart Guy mm-hmm. um, and see those those black people on TV um, without even realizing uh, that I was exposed all the time to white TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice that I had also had that kind of black influence in my life without even noticing it or even yeah. by then I hadn't realized what impact watching like um, watching TV that is mostly white well had or watching TV that was mostly black had I think I wouldn't realize the influence or the effect that that had until later on yeah I don't think you really realize first of all like what representation is and then secondly how it applies to you until you're like not like a lot older like when you're like a 12 you kind of start to be like certain things you're not seeing about yourself reflected in the media at all you know yeah absolutely or that you are and you're like oh that was like one of the only two or three things that I watched and there were people that I related to but you see it's hard as well because I'm I'm looking at it from you know with an adult's eye and I suppose I'm looking at it comparing it to modern modern day fiction but I absolutely loved these books mm. as a children mm. absolutely adored them just could not get enough of the way that she wrote the world that she was creating the characters the, I suppose it's the imagination you know yeah. I suppose it's the feats of creativity within the books itself maybe more so than as you said structural integrity you don't or, notice it mm. you build yeah. your own structural integrity you yeah. make your own decisions about the, about these things when you're that age I think mm. like especially when you're only given these bare patches of story here's mm. a tree why you figure out why, mm. yeah, and you and you then do figure out why. Yeah, and I suppose as a child, you it gives you enough space to kind of insert yourself into the narrative and make yourself part of the story as well. Whereas maybe if it was too complex, I I don't know. I mean, I'd be I mean, I'd be so curious to hear what I, like a a child now would think of it. Like I know Ina Blyton has really fallen out of favor. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, because of I suppose the racist undertones and you know xenophobia, mm-hmm. um, and sexism and. A lot of other things, a lot of other issues. <laughs> a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, 
I just would be interested if you gave a child, you know, I don't know, six or seven, if you gave them the magic faraway tree, what would they think? So there we go. That is the end of part one of the Juvenalia 2018 sample platter. I hope you enjoyed all those little bits. Hope you're going to go listen to some other episodes. We will be back in one week on December 27th with the other half of the year. So come back for that. Hope you're going to have a good Christmas. Hope uh, your presents are nearly bought because it's what, it's the 20th now. I haven't bought my presents yet. I know that much. Um, but hopefully you have. And hopefully... Hopefully some of the fine members of the Juvenalia family's products have made it their way into your Christmas basket. That's the thing that I would hope. That is my my grown-up Christmas wish, as Barbara Streisand once sang. Um, so yeah, we'll see you in a week, and we'll do thank yous and roundups and all that kind of stuff. Okay, bye. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.